0: All right, welcome to the third episode of the To Comply or Not To Comply podcast. I'm your host, AJ Yon, the founder and CEO of ByteCheck, the only all-in-one cybersecurity compliance solution. Today, I'm joined by my friend, security leader, all-around amazing human, Lisa Hall. Lisa, thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, AJ.
0: Really appreciate it. You know, I'm starting the new podcast interviewee journey where I'm doing the interview, which is, which is really fun. And I get to talk to cool people like yourself that are my friends. And we just happen to record the conversation, which is cool. I love it. <laughs> so obviously I know you and I know your background, but I'd love for you to just tell the folks out there that are listening to this and hearing about you for the first time, tell your story about, you know, your career and where you're at now and what you're
1: up to. Okay. Yeah. I'll give you the short version. I'm currently CISO over here at Color. We do genetic testing for risk screening and currently COVID testing. So we do a lot of rapid COVID testing. Prior to that, I was at pager duty, been in the security space for too long. Uh, <laughs> a really long time. I love it. And yeah, I actually got my start. I was an executive assistant to a CISO and I thought that she was doing cool stuff. So I was like, I'm going to do everything you do. <laughs> Take me with you. Um, so that was my that's my weird how I got here uh, to security story. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. That's like the true definition of to comply or not to comply. You were an executive assistant and you decided, I want to do that. And you just, you know, obviously work your your butt off to get there. Talk about like that decision when you were sitting there as an EA and you're working for a CISO and you're like, this security stuff seems cool. How did you transition from idea to actually doing it and like moving into it?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I also first have to say, again, thanks for having me. And I really love the comply and not to comply theme. I think it's like could go for business and personal. So I love how you're pulling it back in there. Yeah. So I pretty much was bouncing around and like not knowing what I wanted to do, like I had a business degree and in college, I was like, I'm going to be a graphic designer. I'm going to be a fashion designer. <laughs> I went to fashion school. Like I was, I was all over the place. And so, yeah, I just, I pretty much was doing executive assistant roles. I liked uh, one of my first like tech jobs was at Apple. I like computers. I'm a big gamer. So it kind of naturally like I want to figure out how, how stuff works and I like playing around. And so it, it kind of naturally landed me in a spot where I was reporting to the CISO. And I thought the stuff that we were doing was really interesting. It was like involving computers, but also involving people. And it was just a a really interesting intersection of both of those things. So I basically took some classes and then just... (laughs) volunteered for a lot so I I wouldn't say no to things I was like yep oh, I'm gonna learn it like I may I may just fail at this horribly but I'm gonna try to figure it out and that's something I actually appreciate about security because it's always changing and you have to be adaptable and I was also living in Justin Texas at the time which is a very tiny Texas motor Speedway there and I was commuting from Dallas and at the same time I was like driving past the job the job that I got and like doing this crazy commute and I was like nope I'm gonna live there I'm gonna live really close to my job. Like I just <laughs> once I decided I'm like I'm just going to keep at it until it happens.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. You said some some things there that I think are important to pull out where you know you were graphic design, you were kind of your business major and you didn't really know what you wanted to do. I was the same way. You know, I think I had eight majors at Florida State. So nice. anybody nice. that's young and listening to this, you do not have to have it all figured out. No one really does. We don't really know what we want to do until we start doing it, and we're like, oh this is this is cool and it pays well, all right. Yes. Um, yes. So I talked to young people and they're like, I want to do this and I'm just like, Probably not. You probably are gonna find something else that you're interested in, but go for it, you know, yes. go and pursue yes. it. Um and then you mentioned you volunteered, you know, I have a cool success story from my time at Check where I was mentoring this kid. He's not a kid, he's a grown man. I was mentoring this man and he was just trying to break into cybersecurity, trying to find a way to get in. And I was like, "You want to come be an intern?" And he was like, I'll, "Yeah, absolutely." I was. He was like, and he thought it was going to be unpaid. Um, I was like, "No, like I don't believe in that. We're going to pay you." But like, he was willing to do an unpaid internship just to break in, willing to like volunteer and do work. And I think nowadays, like people have ways to do that publicly with LinkedIn and other places to like share their stuff. And I'd love to get your take on this, like. Sometimes to do stuff in the early days that like, yeah, you probably want to be getting paid for at some point, but you got to prove yourself. You got to do some stuff early on that's volunteer work or just like grunt work that you might not want to do.
1: Oh, 100%. And I think that goes like beyond even being new in the industry. I mean, part of it is like giving back like what you put in is what you get out kind of things. Like I am part of some mentorship programs and if you hit me up on LinkedIn, I will probably talk to you. (laughs) If you have questions about security or you want some mentorship, I'm part of some formal programs. Like none of these things are paid. Hopefully people who have the passion to get into something like security, it's like, we're doing it because we, our heart's in it to a certain degree. Like, yes, we all, you know, I can't just go retire tomorrow. Like (laughs) we've got some bills to pay. Mostly it's like our hearts in it and we want to learn. And so I think it kind of circles back to comply or not comply. It's like, you also have to say, how much am I willing? Like how much of my free time am I willing to do this? Hopefully people aren't going to be taking advantage of that. You know, Where where are my boundaries and how can I give back to this amazing community? And part of that sometimes is investing in yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to hear that you mentor and chat with people on LinkedIn. I do these podcasts often and I'd say that and then like I get a bunch of messages afterwards from people. So I hope the same thing happens to you. You know, any any person that could meet you and get a chance to talk to you would would, would be better from the conversation because of your experience. And I think we need more leaders that are willing just to have a conversation. I used to be that person, that privileged person that say like titles don't matter. Oh, it doesn't matter what your title is. And I realized that was me speaking from a place of privilege where now I understand that like the title I currently have CEO is like the least earned title anyone could ever have because like you could just call yourself a CEO. (laughs) So like I don't think I've done anything to get it. But I do know that like me spending 30 minutes with someone with my title like that is trying to break in, that is a meaningful 30 minutes for them. And I wish more people in positions that have the C in their name did what you just said. Like you're willing to talk with people and give them advice because even you responding to a LinkedIn message, like that changes someone's day to now they feel confident that like I'm going to make it in security because I'm talking to a CISO who's done all these amazing things. And I think that's just important for us to be present and vocal and just be around because the the people breaking in the people that are currently in need that they need people that are there to to help them
1: yeah i totally agree and you you definitely put in the work so you could call yourself (laughs) the ceo i think you've you've done the time there no I'm, i'm with you there i think partially um it, it, it does come down to, like, just being open to it. And ultimately, like, we're all just humans. Like, I, yes, I have a CISO title. And I, I take that seriously. And I take my job seriously. At the same time, like, just a person. And, like, I haven't done everything right. And I've, I'm still learning. And, you know, an intern that we hire tomorrow is going to teach me something. <laughs> so...
0: Yep, That's the beauty of, I think that's the mark of a great leader is someone that understands that they're always learning and always being a student and that you're like, and I think that's the coolest part about, like you said earlier about security is there's no way like I could ever say that like I'm an expert on anything security wise because like it changed yesterday. Like I don't even know what changed. <laughs> so um, I'm already behind. And that's cool because like, I know like I constantly have to work. And so it's a, a really fun part. I was listening to an interview of yours recently and you mentioned like being an advocate for yourself and, and how important it was and something that you have learned. I found that that's super important but like junior folks, uh, people that are first breaking in, they don't they just it's hard for them like especially like underrepresented groups, women in security, minorities in security, it's hard for you to say like I deserve this, I deserve yes. something better. So talk to me about like how has being an advocate helped you and then like any advice for people that are trying to advocate for themselves better in their career.
1: Yeah, I know it's something I'm not good at still. Like I'm bad at this. I'm really good at it for other people. Like I will advocate like so hard for other people. And then when it comes to myself, I'm like, ah, my work will show for itself. Oh, golly. <laughs> right? Like, I don't know what to, do I deserve this? I don't know. Like, I think I know what I'm talking about. I like just second guessing. Um, and so I think my, my biggest advice is like, find your people, find the people who support you. Um, Because I know that's helped me Um, where, and there's been times where there's been times I have not done a good job at my job. There's been times where I've had not the best managers who didn't support me there's been times when I've been surrounded by amazing people and sometimes they're my network like you sometimes they're like my peers my family but finding people who are going to take the time to like know you and recognize you and support you and just be kind to yourself because all of us are going to fall on some stumbling blocks and just know what you know and be adaptable and (laughs) that's you know Not every day is gonna be a good day, but I think it also goes back to comply or not comply. Like it goes back to your podcast here of really knowing when, um, like early in my career, I definitely didn't, you know, I complied more. I was consulting with big four. I hid my tattoos. I did not talk about anything personal. I was like, you know, I dressed out. I mean, I'm in an L7 shirt right now. Clearly I've just, it's done. (laughs) Like, I'm over. But like very much like what I show externally was very like, maybe not who I was internally. And as you get older and as you like feel more comfortable, I guess, just in your own skin. And part of that I think is age, (laughs) time. But yeah, I'm definitely more like, "Mm, I don't really know if I have to comply with that. Mm, Did you just ask me to make a copy? (laughs) Or I'll go to companies now and looking at vendors and I'll be like, it's interesting that the leadership team are all, they all look the same. Just kind of curious if you've thought about it. Like You don't have to be a horrible person about it. Just ask questions and ask why we're, we're complying with some of these things.
0: Yeah, I love it. I was talking to Flea in episode one of the podcast and he was talking about being authentic and he was like, I don't know if it's just because I've stopped caring or because I've gotten old, I stopped caring. So I do think there's some age in there where like you just reach a certain age where you're just like, I don't care what other people think about me. And I remember when I first came out of the army, When I started at the company I was at before, ByteCheck, like I was nervous. Like every day, I was like, if they see that I'm tatted up, they know like I actually listen to this type of music or dress this type of way. And then fast forward the year before I left, we did an offsite, and I'm like leading the offsite. I'm doing all the training for the team. There's like hundreds of people on our team, and I'm wearing some Yeezys, some shorts, a t-shirt, and I'm just like, I realized it like halfway through. I didn't even think about it when I was packing. Like I packed all these clothes, and I'm just like, wow, you're really now finally comfortable being who you wanted to be and that was my whole purpose of like leaving the army was like I realized I was stripping away the human nature of like who AJ is as a person and yeah. I think it's a beautiful thing when you're able to then transform who you are and bring it to work and just decide like I'm gonna be me and whatever happens happens and we'll we'll live with it it's a it's a fun place to be in and I think it's like fascinating that I've, I've talked to a lot of people that like all of us are there and the joy we have and like just our day to day it shows and i think that's why you know being authentic and getting to the point where you feel comfortable and i don't want anybody listening to this to feel like you have to do it today like you said Mm -hmm. it's been a journey for you and it's still something you're working on and i think it's still something i'm working on as well but it feels great once you get there
1: yeah oh i totally agree i think you have to be respectful of yourself and other people and ultimately if you show up genuinely as yourself it will also encourage other people to feel like they can be authentic. And there's things I've shared probably, you know, with my, with my team before where I'm like, I never thought I'd be as vulnerable or, you know, just saying, yep, no matter what it is, personal things or just like work things or, Hey, I haven't figured that out. It allows other people to be vulnerable as well.
0: And speaking of that, you know, you're a leader, you are a chief information security officer, you've held leadership roles across the security space. So as a leader, I think you being authentic usually will help the people underneath you, like, be authentic as well. But aside from that, what do you see as, like, the hardest part of your job? Like, you're, you're responsible for a lot. I think CISOs are, like, the most blamed executive suite. Um, and most CISOs I know, like, say, like, yes, like, I know I'm asking for pain <laughs> because of my role. Uh, but, like, what, what do you say, like, from a perspective, you know, you're a new CISO at, at, at Color, you were leading up security before then at PagerDuty. What's the hardest part about running security at these large organizations that have a lot of these challenging issues?
1: Wow. Um, the hardest part. I think there's always a lot to do in security, right? And like we, we said, it's an ever-changing environment. So really being able to understand It's the hard part, but it's also the cool part. Understand the risk of the place you're at, like the company you're at and being able to communicate that. I'm a big fan of analogies. It's like, I'll talk to the board and customers and like, I'll try to use analogies as much as possible. It's like, yeah, let me communicate this effectively as opposed to just like scary, Red alarm blaring, like give me money. Uh, <laughs> trying to understand and like communicate to how that affects business. Like for color, obviously healthcare, we have PHI and other companies I've been at, that wasn't our biggest worry. Data security definitely is, but it's, it changes the landscape depending on you know what you're what you're trying to accomplish. So really understanding the business and being able to like marry that with security objectives, it's a hard thing to do, but it also will lead to the most success. Because then you're all you know, walking towards the same direction. And
0: <laughs> So I think a lot of times security professionals come in and they're like, security, security, security. They don't understand the business. And good security has context. Good security knows like, okay, you're, we're in the healthcare space. So like, we're going to have concerns around PHI. Like we have to do things. I need to know exactly like, how are we classifying data? How are we protecting it? What are we doing when people reach out? Like there's all these other things that go off in your head because you know the type of data. And I think a lot of early folks in security, but also a lot of seniors forget that. They forget that you have to apply context and situation. And it's it's just, I come in and I, I'm going to do my security thing. And like every tool yeah. doesn't work for every company. I think what you said there is so important. I think figuring out the context and then saying, okay, business, I understand your goals. Here's how security needs to be thought about and how security can help. Because so, people, so many people see security as a blocker. When really security is an enabler, uh, if you get security right, you move faster because you don't have to do rework and you're not coming in as the bad person saying, hey, all of this needs to. So you need to revert back to that previous release because this is really bad. You were able to see that in the requirements phase. You were able to see that at the static level when you did some scanning early on. So really important to understand the business. You mentioned talking to the board too there. And I think that's an interesting aspect of security leadership that it's not all technical. Sorry to break the bad news to some people that think that they're going to become a CISO and have their hands on keyboards all day. While I think it's important that CISOs have the skills to put their hands on keyboard and actually get stuff done, I know that the role involves a lot more. So I'd love for you to share what are some, some of the people stuff or things that you do as a CISO that you probably didn't know were going to be important, but you spend a lot of time doing outside of hands on keyboard stuff?
1: Oh yeah, definitely all of the people stuff. <laughs> it's like working with your team, communicating to customers, talking to the board, trying to describe like security objectives in business context. It's just all over. I mean, security pretty much touches on every part of the business. So there's a point where you're going to be talking to the people team or the HR team. You're going to be looking at facilities. You're going to be you know, creating metrics and And how, how can we show success and how does that tie and align with business objectives? Like we said, how to ask why and question our leaders in thoughtful (laughs) ways. I mean, we, we kind of touched on it, but the whole, like what got us here may not get us there things like, Hey, or this worked at this company and compliance is such a big part of that, right? Like, Oh, well, here's the things you have to do. Well what if we do it differently and what if this is a different environment like how can we adjust this and then be able to communicate that so that everybody's on board and you know compliance and security aren't just an afterthought and they aren't a pain point i think all of that and also you know probably you listen to the other podcasts i've done but like i totally believe in hiring like from diverse backgrounds and people who may not have just you know been in (laughs) security from the beginning. And I think that also helps with just the people side and just having diverse thought. Like I think of things differently then you know somebody who I don't know wasn't born in California and went to fashion school <laughs> I don't know um or you know just different background like you will have very different like you're in the military so you have a very specific way of thinking about things that might be your go-to like originally way of, of jumping to things where I would be a little different and if we come together figure out the best way to do it for our business I think there's a there could be a lot of beauty there so definitely understanding the importance of just listening to people and having different theories of thought and asking questions.
0: I I love it. I think the new phase of leadership we're entering into are leaders that say what you just said, like understanding people, hiring people, not for the sake of diversity, but because you truly know they might know something and look at this problem different than I do. And I need more perspectives to get this right. Uh, And I think people that break into security from other professions are like the best type of security professionals because a lot of us security professionals that have been doing this So while we're jaded yep. we don't believe in anything we think everything's gonna break we don't trust anything like we're not open-minded to nothing we're just like everything's bad lock it up like stop please but like a new person's like well why are we doing it this way and you're like that's a very yes. important question. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and get that if you hire nothing but people that have been no security.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Just yeah. asking oh, why yeah. just ask, I think it's such a such a big deal. Or like how or why? Or how did we get here? Why are we making this choice? Yeah. And compliance is the same thing, right? It's like, oh, rotate your passwords every 90 days until you ask enough if this is actually good practice. And then all of a sudden we all agree, maybe, maybe we should be rotating off and we should just make really good passwords. <laughs>
0: Yes. Shout out to NIST for that update. Yay. <laughs> I was very happy. I remember when that came out, I was back that was back in my manual audit days where I was traveling out to company sites. And I was just, I couldn't, I was chomping at the bits to bring it up in one of our conference room discussions with this customer when they were talking about passwords. I was like, well, actually, yes. you don't have to do that anymore. And here's why. And I explained the situation. It's like, it makes a ton of sense. And like, those are the things in security where or just compliance in general, where we can kind of transition to talking about security and compliance. I think the frameworks don't update fast enough. Yeah, I, I yep. think a lot of the problem is we're reading stuff that was built for technology that is isn't, isn't around no more, isn't prevalent anymore. more. Maybe there's some store organizations that are using some of these things, but nowadays we need to have more stuff that evaluates serverless technologies from a compliance perspective and we're not doing it but i'd love to get your thoughts on like some of the compliance frameworks that are, that are out there and yeah. are they updating fast enough are we are we actually using the right stuff to evaluate companies
1: i'm with you there and like something that you, you already know i appreciate about BiteCheck is the continuous kind of monitoring aspect of compliance where we have so much opportunity right like if we think about don't know, a point in time like do you review your firewall rules every 6 months or like do you do user access audits quarterly or scanning monthly it's like well mostly what we've implemented in nowadays <laughs> is like continuous monitoring and it's actually better right where i'm it's not a point in time i'm actually monitoring this regularly and if something goes wrong i'm alerted and just being able to have those conversations and i think a lot of it is who you get as an auditor and, and having somebody who you can just talk to like a regular person and you get that with a, probably you've seen this too on customer like you're reviewing a contract you're on a customer call and you're like oh if I could just get somebody who knows about security this is going to be like a 10 minute conversation you're like we understand right okay <laughs> let's move on but having those difficult conversations with like maybe it's, it could be the auditor or who knows who are just like nope if this just needs to be a check And and, and I'm not worried about how it actually is implemented or how they like to say like this, the spirit of the control and in an ever-changing landscape, that's really important. And being able to like communicate that and demonstrate it and take away from all the manual (laughs) work is just going to be like, we have so much opportunity to make it better and make compliance less of a, a pain point. And like you said, like, like an enabler for business and for security it should be demonstrating that we're doing things right in security it shouldn't be the in my opinion the sometimes it's a lever but yeah
0: i agree uh, obviously you know I'm, <laughs> I'm biased but i think compliance should be playing a big role i think the what you just said though is the the point is you got to choose the right auditor and i think that's been the problem with soc2 compliance is SOC 2 is a framework where it allows for flexibility. It allows for you to get custom. It allows for you to have some really technical controls and have a report that stands out. Whereas other frameworks like ISO, PCI, FedRAMP, et cetera, it's like, you either do it or you don't, and we're going to check this box. But the problem is with SOC 2 auditors is they treat SOC 2 like those other frameworks. Yes. They don't come in yes. and say, so what are you actually doing? Instead of it asking you if you have an A-B solution installed, it's like, let's just talk about defense in depth and find out all of the things that you're doing. Yes. And then we'll yes. figure out what are some of the things you're doing to prevent malicious software. Um, so I think that's the big key. And one of the things I propose that I think um, would love to hear your thoughts on are companies that are evaluating their audit partners need to ask tougher technical questions. Uh, yes. They need to say like, yes. hey, like who, we're hosted on Azure. So can I talk to somebody that knows Azure um, and say like, how are you going to help me in my Azure environment? How are you going to evaluate my Azure environment? And how are you going to reduce the amount of screenshots I need? They don't need a tool to answer that question because there's stuff on Azure or AWS or Google Cloud that makes their life easier if, they know the, the how to use the technology. But I'd love to hear, where does the relationship fall? If we're thinking shared responsibility, do the auditors need to get better, which I think they do, or does it really start with the questions the companies ask of their auditors when they're making that
1: decision? I agree with you 100%. I think it's both. It's kind of like a job interview or like you're assessing a vendor. And I do think there are some auditors that just are, they're known for their space, right? But you you basically, I think it is more of an interview. And like you said, if you're in Azure or you're in AWS, like I want somebody who understands AWS config and how to pull data from there and why I'm using Guard Duty for this. And I don't have to like train my auditor. And just having a good relationship makes so much of a difference because the auditors, I mean they can help you better your program by like kind of working together to describe what we're all trying to get to. Like this industry is amazing and I think we all just want everybody to be more secure. <laughs> so like we should be working together and not against each other. Um and it and it does take, you know, I mean I will ask my peers about auditors. I mean you you know this. Like I will make introductions if I find great people. I had used probably the same like three auditors for a bunch of years just because, you know, I didn't have to hear for completeness and accuracy, for completeness and accuracy. If you have to say that one more time before you ask, I, I'm going to assume it's for completeness and accuracy. Let's just let's just put that on the back burner for now. Or Just a lot of the um, or tooling that's like, oh, you have to like take a class to figure out how to even use this thing, like, yeah. And I feel like so much of this is, you know, there's not as many of us like running our own data centers and an on-prem thing. And a lot of this can just be used once for one company and done really well and like shared. <laughs> like, here's how to make this work for compliance and for completeness and accuracy for everybody.
0: Oh man, that gives me nightmares here in completeness and accuracy. Because uh, I used to be the person saying that. I always, when I used to pitch, ByteCheck check when we were doing our our funding round. I would say I've been working in the industry and I realized that compliance sucks, and I was complicit in making it suck <laughs> because as an auditor, I used to ask those questions and and ask for screenshots of things that didn't make sense, um, even though I knew there was a better way, but. I had incentives as a manual person to increase my billable hours. So I had to, you know, spend more time doing things. But I think your point, and you mentioned config, which is just such a great example where like, if a company's using config, hey auditors, they've done your job for you. Uh, You don't have to ask for any screenshots. Just go see how they're using config and everything's done. And it's like, I think sometimes when people hear me get on my diatribes about auditors becoming technical, that they think I'm saying like everybody needs to go learn Python. And that's not what I'm saying. But you should be working with the customer and they should be able to say, hey, we use AWS X. Oh, okay. I know how you can use that to help your SOC too. That's all that people are asking for is auditors understand the technology to make my life easier because that's why I started using the technology. That's why AWS Config, Security Hub, all these tools exist is to be able to do that better. And the cool thing about it is it's better evidence It's more technically accurate. Um, which is yeah. where I hope we can get to with compliance, where people start to see it as a value add. Where it's like, hey, like this is going to show us from a continuous perspective out all the time what's happening in our environment, and here's how we can get better and continue to see that we're getting better. Which I, I have this, you know, pie in the sky vision that everybody's going to love compliance. We're going to live in a world where people are sharing information about security, and we don't have to do all this smoke and mirror stuff anymore. And there's there's value brought back to this stuff because I think it's it's important. Uh, and, it, and it helps you grow your business, but it really helps internally. You see what's going on, you know, are we good or bad as it relates to these different things?
1: Oh, I'm totally with you. And like screenshots get you a certain, like, yeah, again, they're a point in time. And I mean, I, you've probably been in this too. It's like, how many screenshots do I have to send of this thing? This is madness. Why are we doing this? And it doesn't make security better and having a more like holistic view and continuous view of something. It's like, well, now we aren't just, Kind of randomly picking stuff that we think are risky, like we know this is repeating, or we see this risk over here. It's happening a lot. We should probably look at it, so I'm with you,
0: yeah, that piece right there, being able to get to like that predictive analyst per thing that's where I think is the exciting part of compliance, where we start to really tap in and say like oh i I've seen this movie before,' company of your size did this move. Here's what happened six months from now from a compliance perspective, and now security really needs to shift from reactive to proactive. Like we need to be yeah. ahead of things and that's the best security departments I've seen or security departments that are able to see when things are bad are going to happen because they can just identify potential flaws. Really great stuff, Lisa. I've enjoyed this conversation and I think our listeners are going to really enjoy it. Uh, any last words for the audience? Anything you want to leave them with that they can learn from you? And then also tell people how to reach you. Yeah,
1: no, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited you're doing this. I don't have any parting words, except you can definitely reach out to me. I'm on LinkedIn, Lisa Hall, um, Twitter, and I will, I'm happy to respond and I I definitely will, uh, will mentor or talk to people or ask me questions, random things about fashion designer security. It's fine.
0: (laughs) Highly recommend. We might have to do a podcast about fashion design. I consider myself somebody that enjoys fashion and, and, and dressing. I, I don't enjoy like the process of like finding stuff for myself though. So like, I really need to make a lot of money to get a stylist so that I can just like get clothes and try them on all the time and like enjoy it and like, be in the scene. So maybe we'll do a fashion design security uh, podcast in the future, but highly encourage anyone to reach out to Lisa. Um, fascinating, amazing human to know insecurity. And I'm excited to see what you do at color and, and continue to, to just have you in my network as a friend. So, thank you for joining. I appreciate it. And um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Please uh, subscribe, give us five star ratings, leave some feedback so that we can continue to produce valuable content like this.